0: Hey y'all, I'm Erin Bagwell.
1: And I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Feminist Wednesday's Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism.
0: In our world, Trevanoa teaches
1: history class. I'm invited to Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande's wedding. Congrats. And the
0: glorious ladies of wrestling are the sheroes we've been waiting for.
1: Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television. The glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver, Beaver Talk. Talk. Bye. Hello. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. I like that you said glorious instead of gorgeous. Do you know anything? Did I say glorious? Oh, did I say glorious? I just decided to call you out at the top of the hour. Mm. This isn't going to be an hour to all of the Bettys listening, but why not call it that? I hear you. Well, chewing a bagel as you're doing this,
0: (laughs) guys. I'm pregnant.
1: Shocker! <laughs> I'm pregnant, and
0: I need all the carbs in the morning. Oh my god! It's like the only thing that's keeping me alive. I've eaten so much bread in the last like couple of months. It's really astounding.
1: Oh my god! How far along are you in this world? <sighs> well,
0: I'm uh, in my second trimester. I'm 15 weeks,
1: and I'm having a girl. Oh. Air horns. This I like how you're saying this so casually. (laughs) Like you literally have your hands on your hips. You're just kind of like, yeah, you know, this is just happening. This is where we're at, guys. This is where we're at. Oh my god! So I might need
0: to scarf some bagels as we go.
1: So it's like gonna be a Christmas baby.
0: Yeah, Christmas or New Year's. Oh my gosh! And it's a girl. I know. Can you? You actually, you said it the best. You were like, you said something. You equated it to the election in some capacity. You were like, "This is; these are the results we've been waiting for.
1: <laughs> I was literally like, I remember we, uh, we had you and Sal over for dinner, and I was just like, I mean, with love, would have been thrilled if it was a boy, but also just so happy it's a girl.
0: <laughs> I was like convinced we were going to have like a gay son too.
1: Yeah. Well, I could totally see that happening in your future as well.
0: I was only picking out really queer names <laughs> for boys <laughs> in preparation, but... Yeah, girl. Here we so go. So
1: exciting. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I know you've wanted this for a long time. Do you want to tell everybody a little bit about how this manifested?
0: Yeah, for sure. Sal and I have been, I like to say we've been trying for like two years, even though half of that was emotional trying of getting him to a place emotionally where he felt really excited and ready to receive. He um, He lost his mother when he was really young, and so... We kind of always knew that this was going to be like a big hurdle emotionally for us to get through together. And um, yeah, and then so so crazy, once we started trying, it was such a frustrating process because I kept listening to everyone else's advice, which it was like, oh, you know, don't try, just have fun, blah, 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 blah. But when you have like a nine-day window and you don't know what day in that window, and you're having the sex like constantly to fit in the window, it becomes this frustrating scheduling, you know, obnoxious process anyway. So by like the eighth month, I was like, fuck it. I'm getting the ovulation tests. I'm figuring out what's going on. <laughs> and it turns out my ovulation for women who have irregular periods of any kind is nine days after everybody else's. So we were trying for the last, like, eight months on the wrong day. <laughs> oh, my um, God. So then once we got on track, it was like we got pregnant right away, which was really funny. And, um, yeah, we're so excited. Yay. I'm really uh, I'm hyped about it. Yeah, everyone sure. is so
1: excited. I had, like, coffee with, like, some people last week. It's like a coffee going out week. And everyone was like, uh, Aaron. Being a mom is going to be the best thing in the world, so. I'm excited. Community is thrilled for you and Sal. Yep,
0: cleaning out my garage, which is really just a big closet in our house.
1: Yeah, I know, I love that you call it the garage. For everyone who doesn't live in New York, this is just a walk-in closet. Yeah,
0: (laughs) making it happen, figuring out how we're going to put stuff
1: everywhere. That's going to be the baby's room? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And how's your mom reacting to all of this?
0: It has been so actually I like started crying yesterday because she bought me a book called For Your Daughter Mm -hmm. and I was you know organizing the closet and organizing her stuff and, um, and then I realized like I could give it to her and I was like I just started crying. I was like oh my god my mom gave me this book and I'm gonna give it to my daughter. I just like it's really unleashed like a really cool. My mom and I are so close you know in general but I feel like this has, like, upped the ante of, like, how our connection is and what we can talk about. And it's interesting, Sal's so reading a, um, a book about fatherhood, and one of the chapters is about, like, your um, your partner, your wife, the person who's having the baby will get closer to the women in her life, and you will feel excluded because you don't know what this is like yeah. And she's desperate for connection for this new experience that her body's going through. So there's like a whole chapter about like how to be involved and like how to be, you know, part of the process, which has actually been um, like a really challenging part of being pregnant that I had never thought of before.
1: Mm. Well, it's very exciting. Yeah. And uh, we got the big news out of the way right away.
0: Yes, we did.
1: Um, what have you been listening to, watching, reading, thinking about? Um, Where do you want to
0: start? Gosh, there's so much going on. I, I can mean, start. yeah.
1: Sh- yeah, why don't you start? I met Cynthia Nixon, AKA Miranda Hobbs. I feel like that's another air horn worthy moment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> on the 20th anniversary of Sex in the City, no less. God damn it.
1: It was like. <laughs> So my husband, like, surprised me. I haven't heard this story yet. Yeah, yeah. So Amara like, surprised me with this. Because at the end of the day on, like, I think it was just, like, a random Tuesday, he sent me her Instagram story where she's, like, hey, I'm going to be at this bar for happy hour. Like, come say hi. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: He sent it to me, and he's, like, this is five blocks from our house, so just, like, meet me when I'm off the train. And I was, like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, I was just, like, this was at 5 p.m., and it was happening at 6. And I was, like, okay, sure. And then... As I was walking over to this bar, I just, like, started getting, like... Nervous? So nervous. Because I was like, oh, my God. Like, this woman? I mean, we know what the Sex and the City ladies mean to us. And yeah. I was just like, I am so nervous meeting her. Like, what if I talk to her? Like, what am I going to do? And I met up with Umair, and I was like, what if we actually meet her? And he's like, well, I think that's, like, what we're doing here. Was, like, <laughs> he's like, I think that's why this is happening. Oh, man. And for everyone who isn't in New York... Cynthia Nixon is running for governor. So she's doing all of these meet and greets. She's holding town halls. She's like doing all of these talkbacks. So we walk into the bar and the event had already started. And there she is just like sitting right as I walk in. And like, I have a certain love for celebrities and I love just like being in their space generally. And I was so starstruck by her. And just the way that she was holding space for all of the people who were asking her questions because it was organized by a woman in her um, like PR group mm-hmm. who was from the neighborhood, who was from Bed-Stuy. And so she invited all of these, like it was mostly female entrepreneurs and mostly women to come and do talkbacks about what they're concerned about in the community. So it was such a like female-powered event. Amazing. And to see her in that space and to see her be like, I don't know the problems that confront you on a daily basis, so this is for you to tell me what I should be paying attention to. Amazing. It was, like, so incredible to witness. So at the end, everybody lined up to take pictures with her. (laughs) And we got, like, closer and closer and closer. And she's so good at, you know, the room is filled with people, and she's so good at zeroing in on the person she's talking to, and the rest of it just doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. She can't even see the rest of the room. She only sees the person she's talking to, which is... Very amazing to witness that kind of attention and focus and just love that she shared for everyone who came out to see her. And I took a picture of um, the woman who's standing in front of me in line. I'm like sweating right now. With just so Cynthia. You know. And I was like, and she's so chill. There was no reason for me to like feel this way, but yeah. she just means so much to me. Of course. As a Miranda, of course. And So the woman like walks away and Cynthia's like, hi, thanks so much for coming. Your brain's like exploding. I was like, be cool, be cool, be cool. (laughs) And I was like, hi, Cynthia. Like I just wanted to say I'm a huge fan of yours and I'm so excited for you that you're running for governor. And she was like, thank you so much. And she does like the handhold handshake. You know what I mean? Where Mm -hmm. she like holds your hand as she Mm -hmm. talks to you. And so I like dug deep and I was like, you were extremely fundamental to my feminism and she was like thank you so much wow and we took a picture and she met umair and umair was just like i love that you're running for governor and i love that everything that you're about and she was like thank you i love
0: that umair is so on board sal is very um scared of celebrities running for office and so even though he really is in alignment with her values he's he feels a deep confliction about it
1: i think umair mostly like i mean same
0: but, I, but I, I feel like it's, like, if this is where we're at, then get on board. Yeah. And, like, let's start showing, like, great representation of people who have our values.
1: For sure. And the way that she's kind of already pushing Cuomo to adopt, like, more progressive policies. And I feel like she's a disruptor. I feel yeah. like she's, she whether or not she wins, she is disrupting the system. And I, that's exciting to me. For sure. Um, so, yeah, it was a really out-of-body experience. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. I really loved it. I really love her. And it was exciting.
0: I love it. I also, there's something really, and I mean, this just popped into my head, but something very wonderful about the women staying in New York. Mm-hmm. Like for the three of them. I mean, obviously, Samantha doesn't live here anymore. But um, it's, a, it's such an interesting thing that like, they're so embedded in the city, it just makes the show feel a little more authentic.
1: It does. Yeah. To know
0: that they're like. SJP is just like hanging out in the West Village, like at any point. Like,
1: yeah, it's great. I know. I I live for that. Like, no matter how many times I watch episodes or rewatch the entire series, which I've done a few times, um, you can walk out your door and like you see Instagram stories from Sarah Jessica Parker on the subway and you see them like just hanging out. And it's so magical to me. I love it. It was a moment. So fun.
0: Yeah. You've seen a lot of, you've been going to a lot of celeb. I know. TV shows. How are you getting into all these shows? So, You've been to Trevor Noah?
1: Mm-hmm. I went to Trevor Noah, Stephen Colbert and Seth Meyers.
0: How are you getting into all these shows?
1: So, marriage just like enters into the lottery. Oh, okay. And oh, those aren't lottery. That's how this works. Those aren't lottery. Those are ticketed. So, every month they just open up the month. Yeah, and yeah. And you just have to like He's hit in line. the send button and then they pick the day. And if that doesn't work for you, they generate a new day. Cool. And so it like kind of works like that. So Do you have all... to be there
0: like crazy early?
1: No, it's not bad at all. You have to. Trevor Noah was the only one where I felt kind of exhausted because you line up outside and then yeah, you yeah. stand in just like a cold. David Letterman
0: was like that. You had to be there at like noon for yeah. like the 6
1: o'clock show. Yeah. that Stephen Colbert was a long day too, but they let you sit down for most of it. I feel like
0: I saw Colbert, didn't I? No idea. Many years ago. Maybe like seven years ago. You saw the Colbert Report then?
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I didn't see the yeah, him in the, whole, in the was, new spot.
1: Yeah, we saw Seth Meyers um, a few weeks ago. Who was the best? Um, you know, they're all kind of the same level of craziness. <laughs> like, I love Trevor. You have to pick a favorite. Okay. I loved, I was very starstruck by Trevor Noah, which mm-hmm. I was surprised by. I think he's very cute. <laughs> Don't we all? Mm-hmm. Don't we all think that he's cute? Mm-hmm. Um. And he was the smoothest. Mm. He was very like, da 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 camera here, camera there, talking yeah. in between the scenes, like best friends with his stage manager, smooth. Oh, I love that. It was a joy to watch. It was effortless. Mm. Stephen Colbert's show just involves more. He yeah. just has more going on. So it's more demanding of him. But worried about him. Why are you worried
0: about him? Because isn't nobody watching that show?
1: No, it's good now. Nobody okay. was watching it. Now, now people
0: good. are back on. Yeah.
1: yeah. He had a really rough start. <laughs> Yeah, he did. Um, So that was just a longer production, which was cool to see, because he had more guests. He had his band. He had just so much more going on. Um, And Seth Meyers is an icon, and I just love him, and I think he's so talented. I have no feelings
0: for him. Oh, my
1: God. He was chief writer on SNL for six years. Yeah, I don't. And.
0: He doesn't speak to me in any way.
1: He was so great. I saw Florence Welch and Paul Rudd on his show.
0: Florence. I saw her in Central Park. At a free concert God. once, and she was phenomenal. She's a goddess. Yeah.
1: She literally just floats in. She really floats does. Floats out. Yep. And just like her voice, she performed on it. And like the quality of her voice mm-hmm. gave me goosebumps that just like didn't go away for a while. Yeah. And she has a new album out called High as Hope, and it is my favorite album right now.
0: I need to listen to it. I really like her music.
1: Yeah. She performed Hunger on Seth Myers and it's like... Definitely worth checking out because she just is I think this is an album that she's been wanting to make for a long time and she needed to like stay in the industry for a while till she could really get there. She could get there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. She talked about how when she was a kid she made a spell book because she thought she was a witch. And Seth Myers was like, Oh my god, well, like you should bring your spell book on one day. And she's like, You're making me sound like such a weird kid. And he's like, It's not hard, Florence. (laughs) He's (laughs) like there's Aww. a lot going on there what
0: kind of like what would she do with the spells I
1: think like she would like she had love spells she mostly mm. cast love spells for okay. like her and her friends gotcha um yeah she talked about the love spells mostly mm. so she's like a good witch yeah a white witch a white witch that's what Maya Chrissy is. I know <sighs> It's a whole thing. Yeah. We needed an episode just for Another day. Another day. (laughs) Chrissy is like a chapter with you that I'm like ready to unfold, but I know we have to wait for the right time. Yeah. It'll come. It's a thing.
0: Um, Speaking of other white men, this is just like an anecdote that I thought was really funny, but Tom Brady was on Super Soul Conversations or whatever. Trump supporter. And um, he at one point was talking to Oprah, and and Oprah was like, so what you're saying, Tom, is – Football is like a metaphor for life. And he took a pause and he was like, Oprah, you get it. And it was like, (laughs) what?
1: It was wild. Oh, my God. First of all, what is Tom Brady doing on Super Soul Sessions? Has Oprah lost her mind? You
0: know, I think Oprah makes these strategic moves where she aligns herself with people who are part of different demographics than her audience to kind of pull in new blood. Yeah, Um, and I definitely think this was, like, a move there.
1: What was the rest of the 30 minutes filled with?
0: You know, to be honest, there were two episodes, and I got through, like, one of them, and then I was like, I can't listen to this white man talk about, like, not acknowledge his privilege, like, anymore. It's exhausting me. Um, They just – they talked about how football was life and a little bit about his story and, like, his struggle
1: and how he was – have a struggle?
0: Well, I guess he was in the – I'm so sorry we're talking about Tom Brady, everyone. I just want to... I'm, like, so...
1: This is the most curious I've been in a long time.
0: Um, Basically, he was, like, picked last on the draft in the beginning because he was so skinny or tall or something weird. Like, whatever. Your physical attributes were so whatever that people weren't into him.
1: Oh, my God. Enough. And
0: then eventually, you know, now he's, like, this iconic quarterback. it worked
1: out for him eventually. But
0: you can hear... Even, like, when he talks about his childhood, it's like, yeah, children shouldn't suffer and they shouldn't... There was such a weird... I'm in this bubble of like affluence yeah. that like of course everyone grew up having everything. It just there was such a disconnect. I thought, especially yeah. when you think about Oprah's childhood. Just yeah. that that line told me like everything I needed to know about him. Oh, but boy. I thought that football thing was so funny, and I I wrote it
1: down because it just makes me laugh every time. I wonder if he's ever seen an episode of the Oprah Winfrey Show.
0: No. Also, transitioning to other football things, Ava DuVernay is making a show about Colin Kaepernick in high school. We
1: have more football things? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's incredible. Ava DuVernay has like a million projects on right now.
0: Yeah, she's so great. She really is. That's exciting. Yeah. TV show? Movie? What's the deal? I I believe it's a TV show. Okay. Um, Yeah, and it's just about young Colin Kaepernick in high school coming into his activism roots and his life and... It's really cool that all of these big activists, maybe or humans—I don't know—Obamas are like stepping into the media realm of like, mm-hmm, oh, yeah. this is like where we need to make social impact change.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, the stories we're telling need—we need to start like taking over the narrative. It's For very sure. Powerful.
0: Um, and then I, the other news um, spot that I have is that the Heim sisters were compensated 10 times less than a male act at the same lineup at a festival this summer. And they Whoa. found out that they were being undercompensated in such a great way. And they obviously went ballistic. Who was the male act? They, they didn't name. Oh, OK. Yeah. Wow.
1: Well, so that's
0: where women in the music industry are. 10 times less than the Heim sisters got.
1: Yeah. Pretty crazy. Yeah. That just continues to be a space that the Me Too movement has not reached into.
0: Um, and you know how I'm still getting Rolling Stone randomly delivered to my house? Yep. They're trying to do like a Johnny Depp redemption story.
1: Oh, we knew that was coming. <sighs> this man has a vice hold on the media. You so. know
0: what's really upsetting though about these kinds of like stories about men who have fallen and then we're giving them all the space to like have these redemptions is we never actually punished Johnny Depp for mm-hmm. abusing his mm-hmm. wife. We never did. So we don't need a redemption story. He's mad because people in the media don't like him anymore. And all of a sudden, he's being held accountable for being a dick. And, all, and we're creating this space to, like, have him have a Rolling Stone feature. Like, fuck you.
1: You know, it's interesting. I had a conversation with this about, like, with Omer the other day because um, we were talking about how there's kind of this, like, out for blood mentality or perceived mentality amongst the me too movement Mm. and how like if somebody has sexually assaulted or sexually harassed someone, they should lose everything. Mm -hmm. They should be totally gutted. They shouldn't have their community. They shouldn't have their company. They shouldn't have their money. They shouldn't have any of, they should just be completely stripped of all their privilege. And Omer was not saying that he was just saying, he was kind of exploring like, do you think that's a thing? Is that something you're seeing amongst feminist communities? And To me, it's like men fail up every single day. Mm. Harvey Weinstein might not be found guilty. He might be found guilty. But Harvey Weinstein, while he won't make movies and he won't hold his stature in Hollywood ever again, he will work again. Mm -hmm. We, Whether or not we punish them like Johnny Depp... Every single one of them gets to fail up. Men constantly get chances to be better, do better, redeem themselves. And we hold women and marginalized voices on the sidelines, and they're the ones who have to prove that it happened. They're the ones who have to prove that they were suffered abuse. It's just a gold standard in our society that we hold men to all the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it just was so frustrating to me to think about you know, these men who have worked with people every single day that they have made feel unsafe and they've ma- made to feel small and they've made to feel un- unempowered. And yet they're the ones who need redeeming. They're the ones who we could never take off of the pedestal.
0: And they're the ones that we're going to give a full, you know, four page cover spread in Rolling Stone to.
1: For no reason. For yeah. no reason. And they fail up every single day because we allow them to. Look at like Chris Brown's another one. He just got arrested this week for battery. He had to be taken off stage because the cops were literally waiting in the wings. And you still see posts. I mean, his concerts continue to sell out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like how many times? How bad does it have to get before we are willing to not give them any press coverage, not give them any attention, let alone actually seek? criminal justice for them.
0: Well, I think to Omer's point, like there is I think there's a lust for consequences. Yeah. And I think because we are not holding any men accountable in these spaces, then it becomes this uh, that could be perceived as like blood hungry of like something must happen. Yeah. You know, we can't continue to, you know, tear down these systems and then have everything be the same. And, you know, the Harvey Weinstein thing is reminds me so much of what's happening with you know, the children, the families who are seeking asylum and who have to pay a $3,000 bail like criminals, which we've never done in our history before. Mm -hmm. So we're treating people, as you said, immigrants, um, people who are seeking er asylum, asylum, thank you, you know, women of color, people of color, like there's a totally different standard of rules, Mm -hmm. you know, for people who are privileged, who can, you know, Conform to our societal norms of what we think power is. Um, It's really upsetting. And I continue to be, I will continue to get Rolling Stone and I will continue to bring it to the Bettys of what I think they need to do to be better. I mean, it's ridiculous.
1: Even just the way we talk about them or the way that we talk about women and sexuality in general, just in our everyday conversations. Like I was talking to Maren, we were watching World Cup and His friend actually just kind of started talking about me too and started talking about, um, I don't remember really how we got onto it, but the conversation became about consent. And I was talking to one of my female friends and just kind of rolling along on those lines. And it like made me so happy because here are two guys at a sports event talking about me too. Mm -hmm. And I said like, that's where the change gets me really excited. Like changing the way that men are talking to other men and making themselves involved in this in this whole movement, because that's the other thing is I think men feel like the problem is over there and they're exempt from it. Yeah. And it was exciting to me to hear them talking about it because, you know, I said to Umair, like sexual harassment and the way we talk about women becomes sexual assault and the way we treat women. Mm. It's this constant progress of, and not in every case and not in everything, and I don't want to paint with a wide brush, but it's this way of seeing how far can I take it? Right. How much will they let me get away with? And with Johnny Depp, I mean, we let him get away with everything, and he is just one of
0: millions. Also, can I say that the narrative that I did not read about, like, his redemption was that he was poor and that he had, like, they were like, oh, he's, like, in so much debt and he's so broke and, like, let's feel so bad for him. And I was like, this man has made hundreds of millions of dollars and cannot organize his finances, and I'm supposed to feel bad about it? Yeah. Like, get it together. Get a financial planner. You're a billionaire. It's not that hard. Like, it made me furious that that's like that. They were like, let's feel bad for him because he's an everyman and he's
1: struggling right now. Oh, my "Mm, God. And he also has kids and he has like, like, it just drives me absolutely crazy. What are the men doing to progress this? Yeah. I cannot say it enough. Even with the Cynthia Nixon event, like, Omer was the one who brought me there. A man brought me there. Mm -hmm. There were no men. Yeah. He was one of maybe three. Interesting. And I, I just looked around the room and I was like, and these are voters. This isn't a feminist event. This is, a, this is someone who's running for governor to represent you. Right. And you don't show up. Wow. It drives me crazy that women continue to have to carry this burden of not only suffering injustice, not being believed when they suffer injustice and choose to speak their truth, but they also have to now carry the movement forward in the face of people who actually don't want anything to change.
0: Well, and also they have to be the ones to bear down the consequences yeah. and, to, and to push consequences. So now we're also having to be the, you know, the bad guy and the person who's like, well, is anything going to happen here? And that's also, you know, having to be the educator and having to be the one to continue to um, push everything for it is exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. Like the more we can have men step up and be part of the conversation – and really take their place um, among the culture of what they can do and how they can shape
1: it, I think that's gonna be really transformative. It's, it's, it's necessary. Mm-hmm. And what are the men doing continues to just be, and I know there are men doing something. And so like, I wanna see more of it. I wanna see those conversations and those initiatives uplifted as well.
0: Yeah. I will say something though, men always, when asked about being allies, their first priority also needs to be to listen and to be able to support and uplift the movements and the leaders that are already in those spaces. Um, So as much as we want them to be involved, I think also knowing your place in the whole process is really important. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Pivoting over to Netflix. Oh, please. Because there's no way to transition. Please do. Um, So there are two summer movies out called Ibiza and Set It Up. Ibiza stars Gillian Jacobs and Set It Up stars Zoe Deutsch. Uh-huh. Both of the female protagonists are named Harper. Both of them are like petite white brunette women. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say for everyone, you don't have to be named Harper to be a cool girl. It's okay. <laughs> like how did So that I'm get only approved?
0: watching one of them, which one should I watch?
1: Great question. So Ibiza is really fun because it has um, Phoebe from Two Dope Queens mm-hmm. and Vanessa Bayer from SNL. And set it up is interesting because it has Ty Diggs and Lucy Liu, and I feel like those are faces we haven't seen on the Ooh, television. Ooh, I love in a while. Lucy Liu. You like Lucy Liu? Oh yeah, really? Charlie's Angels forever. Okay, then I think you better go set it up. Okay, well, it's very fun. They're both they're both set in New York. It's just like nec- Netflix executives just like copy pasted two stories and kind of
0: figured it out.
1: Yeah, just have to name that.
0: Um, we also have to do an episode about Glow and you. Finish this know, season going, too, which is
1: really fantastic. I know, I know. I'm, I'm like, I love that show more than anything. Betty's, if you're not watching, you need to watch Glow on Netflix. Please do. Yeah. It's,
0: it's, I feel like this season is, it's, you know, they already have started with such a complex cast of characters and I feel like they go even deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, it's truly a joy. And there's some twists and turns and emotional openings that happen and that I just want
1: to talk to you about so please uh, watch it I'll get it done and we'll talk about it on our next Beaver Bites
0: please watch it
1: the other thing I would love to talk about on Netflix is Nanette I was
0: that's on my list look I've got a quote there's nothing stronger than a broken woman who's rebuilt herself
1: boom I mean come on so Nanette is Hannah Gadsby's comedy special but I wouldn't even call it a comedy special because it is just the realest shit you've ever listened to yeah it's incredible
0: I feel like I don't even know. I feel like I haven't processed it mm-hmm. because I wa- I didn't cry when I watched it. I was just kind of like, it almost felt refreshing because I was like, someone's being so honest and it felt authentic in a way that I was like, this is what we need right now. Mm-hmm. Like this is the level in this administration, in this world, like this is where we need to go. Yeah. Um, and I was really grateful to listen. to hear her story
1: yeah what I loved about it is uh, she so it's marketed as a comedy special and it is she's a comedian Um, but what I love about it is you know there are so many comedy specials on Netflix right now and it's definitely being kind of touted as this like escapist genre like a way to laugh through everything that's going on right now yeah and what I like about Hannah Gadsby is she says the fundamental shortcoming of comedy as an industry and as an art form is that you cannot process trauma hmm because in order to process trauma, you need a beginning, middle, and end. And all comedy allows for you to do is a beginning and a punchline. Right. So she tells two stories where – I just got goosebumps, like, thinking about it. Because she tells two stories of being harassed outside of a club by a man who thinks that she's hitting on his girlfriend. And then she tells a story about not coming out to her grandma. And at the beginning of the special, they're they're super funny. Like, she, the delivery is amazing. And she's kind of self-deprecating um, – but in a really funny way. And then as you go further into the hour, she tells the true stories behind both of those and the parts she had to cut out in order to make them funny, which are, she was assaulted. She was beat up by the guy. Um, And she talks about how when you're already marginalized, uh, self-deprecation isn't humility, it's humiliating. Mm. And to just hear her be so real and so raw in an industry that just goes for laughs and just goes for performance and persona, it was so jarring and so appreciated. Yeah, I absolutely loved watching it. It's my favorite thing I think I've seen on Netflix this year. Wow. Yeah. It really struck me.
0: Yeah. Something I've been thinking a lot lately is actually, speaking of more Netflix, we should just get a little... uh sponsor for this episode but (laughs) a little um, sponsor like netflix the first season or episode of queer eye for the new season when when jonathan and tan are talking about getting nervous going into the country and then anthony is like oh i don't get nervous and they're like yeah because you pass and that idea of and i've heard people of color talk about it before of like passing and you know being in a space like she is and she talks about of like not being able to pass and, and having real violence and real consequences for it. Um, I feel like there's something so powerful about naming that. Mm-hmm. And also just I think, you know, I you know love to listen to like homophilia and I feel like I'm definitely I'm not a part of the LGBTQ community, but I'm someone who really admires and loves to soak up that media. And I think when we hear – really authentic stories it, it reminds me of my privilege mm. and it reminds me of my place and you know i was watching i was texting you last night i was watching pose yeah you know crying through the whole thing and i was like oh my god like i can get a job yeah i can get an apartment you know i pass as a woman because i am a cisgender woman and like i've never thought about like the privilege of just being of looking like a woman before mm-hmm. and having that be like a huge advantage that people who are trans or queer have to deal with. And like that there are not only economical, but like the violence that she talked about in that story. And it's so, we're seeing, I I feel like a movement of people who are unveiling their truth in such a gorgeous way. And actually they talked about this on homophilia of like the first decade of queer media was like, we need to pass Mm -hmm. and we need to be funny and we need to be these gregarious, you know, like sidekicks to like the white leads. Um, kind of like Will and Grace. And now we're into an era where like, OK, the veil is off now. We've been in the media. We have a place where a writers in the room. Now we can get to it. Yeah. So it's really exciting. And I think it's really important. And it's entertaining. And it's it fills you in such a way. And I hope we continue to hear stories like this.
1: It's just the importance of diversity. I'm so sick of hearing the same stories and seeing the same faces and everything. And I've been sick about that for a long time. And so it's like, it just makes us better when we include more voices and we include more perspectives and we see people who don't look like us and don't have the same backgrounds as us. It literally makes society better. Correct. And yeah, I don't have enough, I don't have enough things to say about Nanette. I thought it was absolutely incredible. And staying on this vein, I just read Trevor Noah's book, born a crime. And uh, it's like a must read. If you love these stories, he talks about, um, he grew up in South Africa during apartheid and, his mother was black and his dad was white, and so he's born a crime because it was literally illegal for interracial um, sex to happen in South Africa at the time. And the way that he, he kind of strings together the apartheid story and the historical aspect of it while telling his own story, and I learned so much from it. It's like necessary to read right now if you want to know about how problematic, not just problematic, but how... Um, what, what's the word he uses for it? It's like he talks about how um, racism is inherently, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. It's the people that buy into it that make it so powerful. But on paper, it, it does, he's like, it, if you read all of the things about apartheid, if you read all the laws, they, they don't make any sense. They're completely nonsensical.
0: Isn't Lupita going to play his mom? Yeah.
1: And I read the book because I was like, I need to prepare for this movie.
0: I love hearing him talk about his mom. Oh, it's.
1: Yeah, it really is. Um, and he actually just interviewed Chimamanda. Guys,
0: we have a real big crush on Trevor Noah.
1: <laughs> We're coming out. It's been unearthed in this episode. Trevor, um, but he see also, you. He also just interviewed Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie on his show, and it's a must-listen interview if you want to, like, hmm. keep diving into feminism, keep kind of seeing where the movement is going.
0: Cool.
1: <gasps> so many things.
0: Wasn't she just criticized in the feminist movement?
1: Yeah, she has a big blind spot For excluding trans. trans women or yeah. something? mm-hmm.
0: Well, we're all working to be the best we can, so maybe we can get her on board here.
1: Plurality of voices. Yeah, we yeah. just have to all keep keep moving keep it forward. giving each other space and keep moving it forward. For sure. Um, I just have to say, I am living for Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande's relationship. That's a side note.
0: I know nothing about it, guys. Yeah, I got I no opinions. I'm so
1: sorry. I'm just too obsessed about it. And the way that celebrities are trolling them on Instagram, like Seth Rogen. <laughs> Seth Rogen is trolling them Topher Grace is trolling them it's a delight
0: how are they trolling them
1: so they just keep being very public about their relationship and just like posting a million photos together and just doing the whole like high school I love you so much I love you so much Mm -hmm. and uh Ariana Grande posted a photo and Pete Davidson was like oh my god you're the love of my life like I can't get over you you're just perfect and Seth Rogen commented okay guys (laughs) I mean, it's just so fun, and her mom like unfollowed him on Instagram. Oh, drama! Doesn't support the relationship, so it's kind of giving me my celebrity gossip for the summer.
0: My friend uh, Karen, who is this phenomenal artisan, who bedazzles for Lady Gaga, Missy Elliott, Snoop Dogg, J Lo. I mean, the list goes on. If you need like a custom p- fabric piece for your costume, she does it. She has a company called um, Arm Warrior, and You can look her up on Instagram. She's super cool. But anyway, she was telling me, like, when she, like, does a political deep dive, then she takes a break and does a deep dive about their relationship as, like, her (laughs) palate cleanser.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. And Mary's going to kill me if I keep talking about it. But I'm going to keep talking about it.
0: All right. Well, you know, we all got to figure out our self-care and uh, the things that are keeping us going.
1: Yep. Uh, What are you excited about? What are you looking forward to?
0: Um... What am I looking forward to? Pose. We're going to, we have to do an episode about yeah, it. I'm pretty, it's changed like, my life.
1: That's the only thing I have on my list that I'm just absolutely needing to watch right now.
0: Um, and I went back and I started season one of Vanderpump Rules because I'm out of my goddamn mind and really needed to know what these kids were all about. Also, Claws, if you're not wa- watching Is Claws. It good? Excuse me? It could
1: go either way. The trailer it's, for me is real. It's
0: great. Okay. It's a great summer watch. Okay. It's fun. The costumes are phenomenal. I mean, I would literally watch anything with Nisi Nash in it. I think she's such a talented actress. I love her story. I love her life. I love her on Instagram. I'm really obsessed with her, and I'm a big Clean House fan. I know we talked about okay. this already. Okay. um, It's a great. It's complicated and it's it's almost like I mean it definitely is written by women. Like there are moments that have I feel like they took out of my brain, (laughs) my subconscious brain, that I didn't even know that I needed like a synchronized pool of trans women like doing acrobatics in the water, like with bedazzle I mean, with like the big gangster lord like in a lounge chair, like watching and like blowing coke. Like it is crazy (laughs) and it's so fun. It's a delight. What can we watch it on? I think it's on like TNT or something.
1: Oh, God. okay.
0: Yeah, you're going to have to download an app. And
1: no idea where that lives. You know, figure it out, guys. All right, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah. I love it.
0: Well, Diana, this has been so fun.
1: So fun. Betty's,
0: come at us. Rate us on iTunes. Leave us an email at beaver talk. What is our thing? Beaver talk podcast at
1: gmail.com. Oh, my God. And thank you so much to Kent for spending your Wednesdays with us. Happy Feminist Wednesday, guys. Happy Feminist Wednesday. A thousand frantic shadows scream and chant bitterly.
0: I sleep on a lake of a thousand diamonds.
1: You were 12?
0: Yeah, I was way ahead of my time. Fair enough. Tune in. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. (laughs)